Everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving. This is Mukwai Wabe Siolwe. And this is Banning Air, back with another edition of Planet Afropop. Yes, indeed. Mukwai, you realize this is now our sixth episode of this new podcast. Wow, we're really just cruising on this one. This is wonderful. I can't even believe that I've actually done six episodes. I'm really happy. It's good. It is good, but I think it's about time we started hearing from some of our listeners, don't you? Yeah, good idea. What's everybody thinking? How does everybody feel about this new format? We'd love to hear from you. You know, any comments, any requests for special artists? Even complaints, whatever. Tell us. Bring it exactly. on. Exactly. Bring it on. <laughs> so, this next interview, you had the pleasure of interviewing the most amazing Mr. Easy. He is a very impressive artist. He's uh, just about 30 years old. <laughs> and totally cutting his own course in life. I'm not gonna to say too much here. There's a couple of things I'll just mention that come up in the interview so you, you'll know who it is. He mentions Dangote, and Dangote is one of the richest businessmen in Africa. He's a huge um, industrial tycoon in Nigeria, and you'll understand why he comes up when that comes up. He also mentions Lemmy, and Lemmy is Lemmy Garioku, who did all those amazing covers on Fela's albums. You know those covers, McGuire, right? Yeah, They're just amazing. Mm -hmm. really beautiful, provocative artworks. And that goes along with this album because it's really a concept album. Every song has a piece of art that goes along with it, which is well worth buying the physical copy or going online. We have a feature on that artwork too. But it's also recorded in various parts of Africa and even some in New York, but the Pan-African character of it is, is really striking. And the album is in three parts. It moves from the personal sphere to a more universal sphere. It's really a thoughtful album. I uh, was really happy to sit down with Mr. Easy and have this conversation. And I was happy at the end that he said he had really enjoyed the interview. So I hope he'll spread the word around. All right. So without further ado, let's hear from the man himself. I'm so excited to hear what he has to say. It's your boy easy. Yeah. I remember the day where they tell you say we for day. Even they do like say you know no say me and they feel you gone. I remember the day where you they phone when me and they toast you. Even they do like say you know no say me and they feel you gone. Oh yeah, baby Jamboree. I like the way we come, buddy. Now money, I go spend money. If you day for me, me I day for you. Oh yeah, baby Jamboree. I go like to be your allergy. Now money, I go spend money. If you day for me, me I day for you. Fall in love, oh, you they make her fall in love. Oh. I don't know what you do me when they make her fall in love. Oh. Yeah. Fall in yeah, my name is Mr. Easy, singer, songwriter, producer. I like to say I'm influenced by music from across Africa and across the world, um, from Nigeria via Ghana, via these days the whole of South, East and West Africa. And uh, it's album time. I'm excited. Well, we'll get to the album. I'm very impressed with its pan-African aspect. Yeah. Let's start with a little bit of your story. I know you have strong connections to Ghana, and yeah. uh, and you said your grandfather's from Benin. Yeah. Tell me a bit about your your beginnings. You know, I I you know born in Port Harcourt, Nigeria, South South Nigeria, and um, you know ended up in Lagos, actually the outskirts of Lagos, Ota, because my dad was in the Air Force, and so he got moved from Port Harcourt to to um, Lagos, and you know. I just, my first experience with music was the choir because my mom taught Sunday school. And so I had to join everything in church, like everything. And uh, from there, um, I, was, I, I was having really good grades before high school. And so I joined the school choir as well. I was fascinated with the piano, but I never got to learn it past the chords. <laughs> Fast forward university, you know, I started doing parties just as a way to make money on the side. And just because my school was frankly too serious. It was an engineering school, Kwame Krumah University. 
And so I'm like, why is everyone so serious? Why is like there no fun? So I started to do these parties that ended up being really big parties. People will come from all across Ghana. And that was my first kind of like brush with fame, being called Tosin Swaga, because my name is Tosin. What's your actual name? Tosin, Olua Tosin. Tosin. Yeah, Yoruba name. And from there, I'll just end up, you know, hanging out these artists, emerging artists, blown artists, and find myself in the studio to record like a joke. And people started saying, oh, the music is good. And I remember the big one for me was in 2015, December. My guys reached out to me and said, Laura Hill wanted me to play a show at King's Theatre in March, I think sometime in 2016. And I thought, King's Theatre here in yeah, Brooklyn? Yeah, in, in Brooklyn. Oh, we were just there the other night <laughs> seeing Adekunle Gold. Yeah, and I thought it was, it was a scam, you know, because at the <laughs> time was I, wasn't, I wasn't even, I wouldn't even call myself a musician at the time, you know. So fast forward, I end up coming to Brooklyn, playing the show. Lauren Hill comes backstage and says, yo, I love your music. My kids put me onto your music. Really? And that was like the real first time I was like, wow, I'm really sort of like onto something here. 2015, and it was her kids. Yeah, her kids who turned her on. They were in school with some Nigerian or Ghanaian kids and they had put them onto the music and they took it back home and she heard it. it was a song called Bankulize she heard and from then on 2016 July 22nd I decided that you know what if everybody likes this and it comes to me so easily I might as well you have other things going on businesses philanthropical work when you made that decision what had you been thinking that you were going to do if you weren't going to do this? I, I, I wanted to be the next Dangote, you know, the next, like, you know <laughs> well, Dangote. Right? I do So indeed. I wanted to be the next Dangote. I'd read this book when I was 15 called The Titan, John D. Rockefeller. And I was just so impressed by, you know, his devotion to God and his, like, his business acumen is just like from one to another and that excited me about entrepreneurship so i saw entrepreneurship as this i was rebellious in that i just wanted freedom you know freedom from my parents freedom from to be able to move and i just thought entrepreneurship will give me that freedom yeah and i hated the structures of school i studied engineering it was just like too boring and like too str- <laughs> I just I just felt like with entrepreneurship I can wake up anytime I want I just thought that was the way to get freedom and I little did I know like it was true music I would get the freedom I craved it's really interesting Dangote of course one of the biggest businessmen in Africa yeah certainly in Nigeria but you know a lot of the great entrepreneurs of the world ditched out of school yes <laughs> it's kind of a uh, it's almost a cliche you know yeah it's like it's like step one drop out of school <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's wonderful so what's your connection to Ghana I moved to Ghana 15 turning on 16 because my my mom wouldn't let me go to university in Canada, my mom and dad, because they thought if I left, I won't come back. Cause they just knew I wanted to run away. Yeah. I'm running away from home, not necessarily Nigeria, but just be free. And so they wanted me to be somewhere close. And my sister was in, was in Ghana at this time, studying optometry. So they're like, just go to Ghana. It's the same thing as Canada, like, I wanted to study aeronautical engineering and they had aerospace engineering. So I went to Ghana to Kumasi to study aerospace engineering, but instead I ended up doing mechanical engineering because I thought it was more robust. And I studied mechanical engineering. That was like a very tough time for me. It, sound, <laughs> it sounded exciting, but it ended up being boring. It, was, it wasn't boring, but it was tough. I was just stressed because of all the maths. Yeah, and all the rules, attendance and, 
you know, and I didn't understand why we must write tests. That's why I went to uni, to be honest. So it was in Kumasi at university that you were doing these parties you talked about yeah. earlier. And before that, you had never really thought about yourself as being a musician or no, had you? I'd never told myself about being a musician. I knew people who wanted to be musicians and I always just found myself around them. Either because like I was doing the parties, so they wanted me to book them to perform at my parties. Or because, like, I remember my friend in high school, K Spike, he was a great rapper, and he needed someone to sing the choruses, and the girls loved it. So because I wanted the girls to like me, I'd just, like, <laughs> sing the choruses. But I, I never thought myself as a musician. I knew I could do it, but I could do a lot of things. That, like, you know, that doesn't make me, like, the fact that you could do something doesn't make that your career, you know. And I just followed entrepreneurship. I was just obsessed with starting businesses and growing businesses, and that was my thing. That is still my thing. It's still your sense. thing. You're yeah. still going all over Africa, yeah. making connections. Yeah. So coming to this album, how many albums have you made? I've made one, two, like four projects, actually five, because I made the About to Blow. That was my first mixtape. I called it About to Blow. And I don't know why I called it about blue. Turned out to be kind of accurate. (laughs) And then I blew up years later with one of the singles from that project. And then there was, you know, Lagos to London. Sorry, there was Accra to Lagos, then Lagos to London. Then I had two short EPs, something else. And one day you understand. Uh, And, you know, I put out uh, Chop Life Sound System this year, early this year. And now this is the first one I'm calling an album because this is the first project that's really personal to me. And I was just saying like the two years when I listened to the most music was between 2007 and 2009. And I was listening to so much Lil Wayne and so much Drake with all the mixtapes, you know, and I I saw them switch from mixtape mode to album mode. And so I always thought like for the album, it has to be deeply personal. And this is my most personal work here. And yeah. that's why I'm calling it my first album. I feel that. You know, it's it's interesting, the, the whole concept. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when everything was albums. You yeah. Know, that, that was the form. Yeah. And... Um, and they were con- this is really a concept album, and yeah, you really—it's exactly. not just a collection of songs. It's—it's it's got all kinds of, uh, yeah, interesting thinking behind it and, yeah. and accompanying it. Um, yeah. So let's let's start with the title. Why is it yeah. called the Evil Genius? You know, the first of this project is a record. Is a record of like a time in my life. You know, and it's a time that probably started from 2019, and this is a time when. You know, I began to get tired of the monotonosity of my music career. I started to feel like a job to me. And so it was no more fun. You know, what what like what was so free and so unrehearsed started becoming super rehearsed and super like a regiment, you know, and I started getting really bored and I went from bored to unexcited to feeling nothing you know, and started to think, okay, maybe it's time for me to move to something else, you know. And during that time, I also had changes with my team. Like it was something of pride for me to work with all my boys that we went to high school together. And now, you know, life had happened and I wasn't working with them anymore. So I started to feel like very alone and a lot of feelings I felt, but I couldn't express. And... You know, I actually said, okay, you know, I'm not doing music again. 2020, most of the music that got released were songs that were recorded before 2020. And by 2021, I thought that was going to be the year where I just be a full-time CEO. But as it will happen, I started recording this album. And this album, it was like the first self-therapy I had because I would start to say things that were in my subconscious, like the first song on the album starts where I say, tell my mom I will bear the cost, tell the borrower enough is enough. My friends tell me I've changed because I don't pick their call. And some vex for me, some are annoyed with me because I unfollow them from Instagram. This is like 
and I go, it's hard to know people who love me for real. And I swear to God, I feel lonely with people around me. So that's the first time I was ever saying how I felt. I'd never said, express this to anybody. Deep stuff. Yeah, it had just been in my head. And so it was the first time out. And to say it on the, on the music, where the music had been just fun and just enjoyment with no rules. And now I'm saying all this stuff. So it became really, really personal. And my mom's voice is on that first track, Oluwajo. And beyond that, I get, I go through topics that I was going through during that time. And that's why I say it's a record of the time. But also one of the major things I'd been going through was the obsession with my image in the eyes of people. I thought I was, I'm like, okay, I'm a good person. So everybody I meet must think I'm a good person. If I think I'm the best singer, everybody I meet must think I'm the best singer. If I leave somewhere and I hear somebody said, oh, Easy wasn't smiling, he's rude. I would like get so like obsessed with that and trying to almost go back to the person and smile now so that they will say, okay, he's not rude. You know, it will get to me and I become sort of like trapped in this prison of people's opinion and it just started to weigh me down. And the people who I'd done business with or I'd worked with who then went on to say, oh, I don't like easy, he did this. I'll see myself bothered so much about what I hear that they're saying about me. And uh, in the process, I was trying to sign this artist and he had said, easy, yeah, I want to do this deal, but... People say you're an evil genius. And I got so upset. I spent like one hour trying to prove to him. I'm like, what did he say? I, I didn't take anybody's girl. I didn't take anybody's money. I don't owe anybody. Like, where's this from? And I was spending so much time. And my girl comes out and says, why are you worked up? And I, then I just asking myself, yeah, why am I worked up? And um, I accepted that. I decided to pick what was the worst thing I'd heard about me during that time. And it was that he's the evil genius. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this and accept it. And in accepting it, I'm going to look, not looking at myself through the eyes of others, but introspecting. And that's what this album is about. It's about introspection and bringing out things from my subconscious. And in looking at myself, I can then see myself or who I am and focus on building character. And that's why it's called the evil genius. And by the time you're done with the album, you should have met the evil genius. Uh, yeah, I feel it. I just listened to the whole thing and was reading about the art. Oh, There's a lot going on. Yeah. I'm thinking that way back when you chose the name Mr. Easy, which yeah. is pretty much as far from the evil genius yeah. as you can get. Yeah. That was a, you were in a different frame of mind, I imagine, then. Different, different frame of mind. It was just Mr. Easy came from, that, that was my mindset. Just happy-go-lucky not too much planning, tomorrow will take care of itself. And my demeanor, you know, and as you grow, you start to see that some things are not so easy and you start to see Mr. Easy being not so easy in some situations and sometimes you need to pinch yourself. Uh, yeah. So there are a few things that stand out about this album, the personal introspection you talk about, and the art, which we'll get to in a minute. But it's also very Pan-African, the fact that you're recording in Benin yeah. and South Africa and yeah. Rwanda. That was an important part of the idea, yeah. wasn't it? And it kind of goes along with maybe some of the business. I mean, you, you refer to business reasons to be like in Kigali and yeah. that. It's very interesting to us, you know, who started out with all these genres that were very specific to places. Yeah. You know, everybody in Senegal was listening to Mbalik. Yeah. In, uh, you know, Zimbabwe was listening to the, their Jit and Chimarenga yeah. and all that. But there were all these local styles. There was some, you know, high life got around. Certainly Congolese yeah. music got around. But the way music is now is completely different. Yeah. It's much more pan-African. Yeah. There's so much more communication between countries and I don't know just reflect on that a little bit and why you chose that approach to this album. I think even though every country still has an, a hyper local music consumption the internet has connected us all and now people you know and the culture spreads through the internet through dance through comedy through makeup videos and it's and the new African kids even younger than myself are more global even beyond being Pan-African. I think that's the reflection of my reality because my, you know, I went to Kwame Nkrumah University, um, you know, 
that's the like he he speaks Pan-Africanism and you know I met people from other African countries not through the map but through physical interaction with them you know and I discovered Uganda not not through the news but through going to Uganda and eating chapati and and doing a party there and performing there and meeting the people and same for Zambia and so my love for the different African countries has just in, increased and it has formed my identity and it just happened that as I was traveling across Africa learning new things being in rooms I never thought I'd be in since I'd become a musician um, I was able to still escape like I'd be in all those long meetings and like my head will be frozen and I'm like jeez I need an escape and then I'll go back to the hotel and the producer will be waiting for me and would end up recording a song so that I could escape from both worlds and when I was tired of recording I could go back to being in those boardrooms across Africa so I needed to do that with the art as well because the music was recorded across Africa and so I felt the need for the art to also have pan African representation Where did that idea come from of having a piece of art to go with each song I think I've always felt like sometimes the true essence of the song is not sort of like captured in the music videos and now that I think of it I'll see like you know old fellas music fella had Lemmy who would do the cover art and Lemmy is an artist and um I think so if I think about it now and this is the first time I'm thinking about it that must have been one of the first places I kind of bought subconsciously from there I remember seeing the art Patrick Orell's piece um he ended up making the piece for legalize and when I saw that piece you know I saw it and I'm like this artist could bring to life the emotion that is in and the spirit of the song and it was from then on I decided yeah this I, I feel that's that's the point where I knew I'm going to drop this album cuz this album could have just been like a record for my own consumption but from the part I saw the art and sort of like came to the idea or the decision to make visual art an integral part of the album like the B side of the album it then made more sense and it was no more routine it then became more than just putting out music yeah. and then the excitement came back and yeah. like and seeing it happen has been you know has been lovely it's been a blessing i thought about lemmy when i was looking at these pictures particularly the one for um we day Yeah. That yeah, 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 that's like it really feels like a lemmy yeah, cover. Yeah, it feels like a lemmy cover. Shoot, shoot that. So, let's talk about uh, a couple of the songs. Yeah. I love the song with Angelique, who's a good friend of ours. She's yeah. been on our board since forever and she really shines on that track. Tell yeah. me about that track. You know say na mali mi o ki bari o. On tolu ashe to toni koro. I mean that track started on Instagram. I saw the producer KLP on Instagram live doing those melodies and I hit him up immediately and like I want this song and he ended up giving the beat to Rema. Ah so the the original beat for that song is I think is Rema piece of mind. I think so. And so I was so upset with him. I'm like and he said don't worry we'll make another one and you know when he made this new beat in Benin I put the lyrics on it because it was just melody I put the lyrics on it and it was a sample of Angelique and Angelique owed me a verse because I'd collaborated with her on her last album on the song Africa with um with Salif Keita Yes that's you know, that's, that was like a dream come true that was Salif cool. Keita Angelique Jo <laughs> like Jeez, what else? Like that's it. I'm done. Um and so when I sent it to her, it was more for her to basically just sing the sample because it's Wombo Lombo, yeah. for her to just say or a coro, but she loved the song so much and she says, "No, no, no. What do you mean?" And she gave me a full verse. That beautiful rendition and so it, nice. and you know, she was so supportive in making sure the video was shot. And I think the crowning moment for me will be me on stage performing that song with her. That would just be game over. Like before the album cycle is over, I should do that. I'm going to hit her up after this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'll be up for that. Oh, <laughs> 
Aladamish. You know, say, Namali, me, you can't marry. Oh, Tolu, I shake a tony car. Head up, you know, a gem corny, a gem giant. Orokoro, what does that word mean? Orokoro is like ontoba Orokoro is like when you say when somebody is like preaching and you say word like you confirm like You're confirming. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's like okay. saying that's right. Orokoro, like what you're saying is correct, like correct. So when I say ontoba soro, that means what is in your heart is what you speak, or what is in your mouth is what you speak, and you say, correct. There's nothing you can do to my destiny, correct. You know normally I don't scream, I don't shout, correct. But what God has done for me in secret is so loud, everybody can see, correct. You know, so Orokoro. that's Orokoro. Yeah. That's nice, It's uh, and that's Yoruba, of course. Yeah, that's Yoruba. I spent a lot of time in, in Mali learning guitar with griots, and they, wow. their word was namu, and that was exactly the same okay. thing. The griot would say something, and would go, namu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like saying ashe. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's beautiful. That's great. Um, tell me about the song uh, Chop Time No Friend. I really liked that one. Chop Time No Friend. If I did chop my woman, I know they look another man face. Chop Time No Friend. If I did chop my moolah, I know they look another man face. Anything I touch, the end, I am continental, sentimental, I'm monumental, baby. Baby. See, anything I touch, the end, I am continental, sentimental, I'm monumental, baby. Zagadat. Yeah, chop time, no friend, was me just again. Freestyling, I, it was just that. I wrote this song to that entirely, and it was just again my subconscious. Like, where I was I'd come to the point where I'm like, no, I just want to enjoy life. Like, I've worked hard. Like, if this is it, if this is what life is, like, let me embrace it. That's the energy be, behind Chop Time, no friend. And I'd always wanted to go to Senegal. So I thought this was an opportunity to go to Senegal to shoot the video and I ended up going to Senegal to shoot the music video and I met a lot of like interesting people there, artists there, one of the artists as well is from Senegal, you know, so it was it was a beautiful I guess all this is just dream come true. I dream I wanna mix African art and music and I see it come true and I think that's only a few people in life get to see their dreams and that their ideas come true so it's a blessing i don't i don't take for granted dakar is a hell of a town man yeah. very exciting city yeah yeah i remember in the old days spending a lot of long nights checking out music there <laughs> i don't think the nightclub scene is quite the same as it was back in the day i couldn't go clubbing <laughs> i couldn't go clubbing because i was shooting every day from uh, morning to yeah so i missed well, that someday yeah. <laughs> You have two songs that you recorded in Ghana that have um, uh, kind of a high life feel to them, the lack of communication and <laughs> Fefe Ne Fefe. Yeah. Uh, talk, talk about those songs and about high life and what it means to you. I mean, it's so crazy that it's so clear to see the songs that were recorded in Ghana. Yeah, guitar for one thing. Yeah, you could hear the guitar. It's so crazy how where I am sips into the kind of music I'm making. You know, I was by the beach in Kokobite. You know, so that's like perfect for high life. And uh, lack of communication, again, really personal song. It was at the point where I'd had this like huge fight with my partner and like I was just like fed up. And I realized that, wait a minute, she got really upset. I've forgotten what about. And 
And usually I'll be the one to give the silent treatment because I couldn't communicate. Like it was hard for me to communicate or say my feelings. So I would normally be the one to give the silent treatment. But this time she's the one who gave me the silent treatment. And I didn't know what to do with myself. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts so much. And it's like, I cannot say why it hurts, but it hurt me so bad. And I was in the bathroom, just taking my shower and ready to get out of the flat. And then it just came to me. I just understood why we had this fight. It was because of lack of communication. So I literally am in the bathroom and I sent to E. Kelly a voice note and I'm like, lack of communication, I ain't a gossip problem. Maybe if I verse you, baby, Jack or what that means, I pissed you off, let's talk about it. Me, I know they like I'm when you, they keep me silent. So if I verse you, baby, Jack or and that's the song. Like, that's just me recording that fight. That's the song. And uh, High Life just presented itself as the right canvas for me to paint this picture. Lack of communication in the gossip. Problem, problem. If I verse you, baby, check us out. Come here, not the light on when you they keep me silent. Silent. And if I verse you, baby, check us out. Zara. She come by. I know if he you, she come by. But if I vex you, reconcile. If he my fault, I recognize. Making no long, make me summarize. But look to family, I don't know. Anywhere I go, I go come on time. I know go late, I go come on time. Like I'm communication, I in the cause problem. In that section of the album, the second section that's dealing with romance and relationships, yeah. it's kind of, that's kind of like the, the darkest moment. Yeah. And then, what about Fefe and Fefe? Fefe and Fefe is feel good. It's like I'm apologizing, but I'm not. I'm apologizing in a cheeky way. Okay. You know, because <laughs> I go from the first verse where I'm a little bit serious, but I don't want to be too serious. It's like when you don't, you want to apologize, but you don't want it to become so serious, you know? And you're going, now because I let you down, I'm singing the song and I will sing you some more because I never had the time that you really wanted. Now I'll give you some more. Baby, you're doing me something that's really hard. You're touching me in my heart and I want you to know, give me a chance, let me rectify and let's keep this relationship going. And I'm saying, baby, will you cool your temper? And instead of apologizing, well, I'm saying, oh, baby, will you cool your temper? Look at you, like, you're so beautiful. I'm making it trivial. But in the second verse, I go, baby, I'll change my character. Like, I'm going to change. But instead of me to say what exactly I'm going to change, I say something sweet. I'll give you banana. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's a really cheeky song. That is cheeky. And, yes. um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really cheeky, fun song. It is. I yeah. like it. I like it. Change my character, something sweet. I go give you banana. Then you go see for yourself, you go find out. Eh, hey, make you for feeling. As I know, get to be the man. So come as I day, I dey beg you, your papa. Ayo, 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 ayo. My darling, share you go kulu temper. See as your body simple like something perfect. Hey, oh, my darling, share you go kulu temper. What about legalize? I'm curious about the name. Why legalize? Legalize because, you know, I've been with my partner for, we've been dating for a while, and now I was going from dating to engaged uh, to wanting to I get married, so to legalize okay. the relationship, <laughs> to legalize the union. I recorded that song in in New York actually with Michael Brown and it was during the time I had my ring for like maybe six, seven months just randomly sitting there in my travel bag <laughs> waiting for the right waiting moment waiting for the right moment hey. I knew I, I always knew I knew I wanted to be with her but after making that song you know I just knew I was I was high when I I was really high when I first started that song. I remember eating like five plates of jollof <laughs> and like two plates of Ebba. And, just, and then just sitting on Michael's couch and just going, 
singing the song. Now you love it, it weak me, you know. So <laughs> every time I hear that song, uh, I know, I know where that's from. That's very cool. Well, of course, I thought about Peter Tosh's legalized song. Yeah. That's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's different. <laughs> now you love with the weak me. Now you love with the weak me. I don't tire, I'm fighting no more. All my life I've been searching. All my life I've been searching. Now I found you, I'm searching no more. I don't wanna do no curl, baby, make we legalize. My world is stop anytime you look into my eyes. Even if you don't know, baby, I gon' make you realize. I don't go let you know, baby, now you be my wife. Baby, give me your love. So let's talk about the third part of the album, which is really interesting to me. I mean, ever since we went to Nigeria in 2017, did a lot of artist interviews, and I was always trying to sort of understand the whole ethos of Afrobeats and how it was paying homage to Fela, but at the same time, nobody was really singing the kind of stuff that Fela sang. Yeah. And, you know, the, I had a lot of conversations with people who say, yeah, you can sing conscious songs, you can sing political songs, but that's not really what people want, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not what the market wants. And more recently, I've been following Burna Boy's comments about Afrobeats not having substance and the, a lot of back and forth mm -hmm. about that. But I think it's interesting that you take this part of the album and kind of go that way. Talk about that and what you were intending and how you feel about that impulse, which of course was so central to everything yeah. Fela did, but it's pretty peripheral to the Afrobeats yeah. canon. You know, I love your platform because it's called Afropop, ah. you know, because it's really pop music from Africa, That's you know, right. and it's, you know, and it's, it's dynamic, you know, because pop music from Nigeria might not be the same pop music, like there might be crisscrosses, but everywhere is hyper-local, you know, and, um, I think if you look at it from the lens of Afropop, then you do realize how you're meant to look at it. But if you look at it from the lens of, you know, Fela, and you think everything should sound like Fela, then that's wrong. That's wrong. Too you limiting. Know, it's too limiting. And I think it is crazy to think that everybody from Nigeria should be talking about political stuff. Like, why? Like... It's not everybody in America or in Japan or Jamaica singing about political stuff. And like there should be freedom in art and there should be no judgment in art. Um, so in that sense, I'd never, I've, I'd never really understood why people would always ask me about conscious stuff in my music just through the lens of Fela and say, because Fela was doing it. You interviewed Sonny Ade, like... Mm -hmm. You know, there's the Beniza Obi, there's all the high life music. Like, they did not talk about politics. Come on, like, exactly. <laughs> and so that's how I feel. Um, that's how I feel in that regard. But on that part of the album, it was a lot of introspection and speaking about things that were real to me, like on Mandela, where I say, I want to live forever like Nelson Mandela. So then go far for me, like... That's the first time I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm just like, you're shy about it, but that's the first time I'm proclaiming. I'm like, I want to live forever. Like I want a legacy, you know? And that was because I, my mom was sick and I'd been going to the ICU every day and seeing people on their final hours, you know, alone, just there. I remember this woman telling me and my sister saying, I love the way you guys come see your mom. I just wish one of my kids was here with me and I think I almost kind of had like an existential crisis at that point just thinking what's life about really and this is while I'm making this album and um, I start to think for the first time I joke and say I got conscious during that time of my existence it's like I realized that life had finality and had one or two close friends that passed but it didn't hit me like going to the ICU every day and watching people about to pass and seeing my mom who had been so strong all my life, like just frail and... Did she um, make it? Yeah, she made it. She's back back and better. But that process made me introspect more. And on Mandela, I started to think about legacy. I started thinking, okay, what is bigger than me? You know, what is bigger than me? And, and, and I started to ponder. And I remember like just taking this this huge spliff and just there in the studio. This is the first time I'm 
even publicly speaking, you know, and it was during the process, like just, I just like, I want to live forever, like Nelson Mandela, so they'll respect me. I did for Kalakuta. That means that I picture myself in Fela Shrine and I'm like, I did for Kalakuta, they blow my shakabula. So many things I see. That means, I mean, I've, I was seeing myself in Fela Shrine with the big jumbo weed. That's what I call shakabula. And so many things I see, like I'm, I'm, I suddenly have an epiphany. Um, Igeti Domitila, we want to kill my ginger. I want my shepherdary, that means this girl. And there are girls who want to derail me. And they, you can never get tempted by what you don't desire. So I'm actually admitting that I actually desire these women. And, but I know that they're not good for me. Um, they want to derail me. One knee, one riminita, as I did chase paper, sleep no day for me. I'm saying they always say they see me on the road, steady hustling, and I don't sleep. And in the next verse, I say, I face money, leave country. That means I followed money and I left my impulse, my sexual impulses. And I say, Sapa no fits me. Like, poverty doesn't look good on me. So if it's like you might say it's like conscious, but it doesn't have to be conscious in the sense of politics. I want to live forever and I see Mandela. So then go for farm, yo. Yeah, yeah. I did for Kalakuta, the Bluma Shakabula. So many things I see. It gets it on me till we want to keep my ginger. I want my shepherdary. Jesus, one you are in minute. I said they chase the paper sleep, no deep for me. Yeah, I face money leave on you. Now that one shot for me. Sabano fit in me. Along my jack are you. Nobody they for me. Only me they for me. The more you look, the less you see. The more you look, the less you see. That's why I take the hustle back tonight. Make a chief for my pensima. Nobody fit to drain my energy. More than me, I they pray for my enemies. Now me take it the motivation. Mr. Easy with Mandela from the third and final segment of this epic album, The Evil Genius. You know, in this part of the album, Mr. Easy, he puts like this new spin on what it means to write conscious songs, not necessarily political songs, but songs that come from a place of just like higher consciousness. And there's one song that does address political realities. It's called We Day. And it was inspired by the 2020 NSARS protests against police violence in Nigeria. That one is more political. Yeah, we did. We did started by Who Is Akin, one of the artists on my label, Who Is Akin, very reclusive artist. It's like, he doesn't show his face. It's like a labaja, a new school labaja. Oh, yes. I know it, And yeah. he, he had played a record and that had the chorus we did and I was like yo I love this and he's like yeah bro I made this record for you and I but the verses hadn't come together and we co-wrote that song together and it starts you know and it was from the energy of the protests that had been happening the year before and that's why I go you know demand them but no one bad so I start by Bigging up myself, like ego, no one better. I'm the king of my area. Um, top, top shatter, top militarian. Stop frowning. And then I try to just touch a little bit of, of the matter and say, we're never running from the feds, you know, because I'm basically saying I ain't committed any crime. Um, we're never running from the feds. Sometimes I pull up with my people, but they don't rate me. And so that's me just realizing how even with where my career is, sometimes I go to places and it's like, because I don't pull up with 20 men, they don't give me the treatment I think I deserve. So I say, sometimes I pull up with my gang, but they don't rate us. And then I say, our government don't pay us. Fuck the popo, fuck the circus. And and I'm speaking there about NSARS when I say fuck the popo. Yeah, NSARS, yeah, um, exactly. Because yeah. of police brutality yes. um, in Nigeria at the time. And I say, fuck the circus. And the circus, it's not just Nigeria. I'm just no. talking about governments. And I began to think that the more I watch the news from we on to CNN to DW, that I feel like this is just a circus. And everybody's just so, so busy about what party they represent, right wing, left wing, APC, PDP, and we forget what's actually the day-to-day -day things that the people need. 
and like sometimes it's even you come with good intentions because I will sit with politicians and have a conversation with them and be like, wow, this guy is actually like smart. Like I thought this guy was stupid, but this guy is actually smart and this guy wants the best for his country, but the system is so that it's so hard for him to effect this change because the system is such that 20 other people need to agree or 50 other people have to vote along those lines and then it doesn't happen. The loyalty is to, you know, what you represent, your party or your flags as against humanity. You know, demand them, but no man bother. King of my area, I know you see my door. Stop, stop, shatter. Top military, I'm on no day from. We never running from the feds. When I pull up in my game, but they don't rate us. Our government don't pay us. Fuck the popo, fuck the circus. Fuck them, bye. 2020 vision. I'm on my no go go. Free all my people when they don't lock up. Stay woke, but that's the mother photo. Yeah. You know, say me never fuck up. You know, say me never fuck up. Twitter fingers, they be showing fake love. Oh my brother, stay woke. Now I see we did. We did, we did, we did, yeah. We did, we did, we did, yeah. We did, we did, we did, yeah. Now we did, yeah. We did, yeah. We did, we did, we did, yeah. We did, we did, we did, yeah. We did, we did, we did. And of course, in the second verse, I just go bragging. And that's in response to a lot of Twitter comments. Yeah, easy's not fine, easy's ugly. And I'm like, yeah, fuck being fresh, I'm ugly. <laughs> But I've got too much money on me. Can't you see? It's only their talk that's plenty. They talk so much, but they can't even call an army. And that's like, people start to kiss my ass. So yeah. that's why I say, these silly guys, they can't even afford me. You know, so these are all like records of those times in my life. And I was lucky enough to, to talk about politics on there. I really like the way you've defined consciousness being something much more than politics. Yeah. It's these deep feelings about your mother and about, yeah. you know, destiny and all this yeah. stuff. I guess the last thing I'd just like to hear about is your experience in South Africa with the Soweto Gospel Choir. South Africa is such a different world from West Africa, yeah. East Africa. I yeah. mean, the history's different, the, yeah. the music's different. It's, yeah. And it's certainly making its mark now with, with I'm a Piano. I've always been a huge fan of a yeah. lot of South African genres. But it must have been great working with the Soweto Gospel Choir. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, it was lovely working with them. I reached out to their manager. I thought I wouldn't get a response. She responded. And like she asked me, is there something you want them to sing? And I said, no, let them just do whatever they think fits the song, like total freedom. And when they sent it back, I didn't even cut it. So the structure of that song is weird. Like in that, like if you listen to it, it's like there's no chorus or the chorus comes only once. Mm -hmm. Then you love everything, it comes only once. And that's just how they arranged it. Not because that's what they, they thought this final song would be, but that's because that's what they just wanted me to listen to. And I'm like, I'm not touching this. Like, like this it. is it. And shooting the video with them um, was amazing. We had to fly up Drakensberg on the mountain to go shoot the video. And it was a dream come true for me. I think with having Angelique and so with the Gospel Choir on one album, it's like, what else can I ask for? Then my primitive do, but I thank you for the journey. Oh, joy comes in the morning. I let but my ghost do a story. Hey, I got so many secrets that I pray don't come out. Paranoid, cause I've seen things go bad when my family turn to demons around me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, God, for keeping things smoothly. 
Thank you, thank you. Nice, love that. He's <laughs> something, eh? Isn't he? Amazing. Honestly, Benning, I was a little worried about the formulaic pattern that Afrobeats was sort of putting out to the world where yeah, it was kind of predictable. You. And just for this artist to come around and just bring this consciousness to the music, you know, it's just been such a joy to experience. Yeah, it really stands out. I mean, as I was saying to him, I'm a child of the album era, and I really like it when an artist has a big concept like this rather than just a set of songs. Oh, man, this is a very interesting artist. We'll have to keep an eye on Mr. Easy. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening to Planet Afropop. Planet Afropop is a production of World Music Productions. Support for Planet Afropop comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. Our founder and executive producer is Sean Barlow. And our lead podcast producer is Banning Air. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering for this edition is by Banning Air at Lion Song Studios in Middletown, Connecticut. Our director of development and our co-host here on Planet Afropop is Makwai Wabe Siolwe. I and Cece Smith edit our website, afropop.org, and our director of new media is Savian Biggs. I'm Banning Air. And I'm Makwai Wabe Siolwe. Until next time. Musiele fo. Come Bye. <laughs> thank you God for keeping things smoothly. I'm the blessings where you shoot daily. I don't go lie, I'm feeling differently. Now why I still they move on that cover? Thank you, God, for keeping things smoothly. I'm the blessings where you shoot daily. I don't go lie, I'm feeling differently. Now why I still they move? Them I bring me voodoo. But I thank you over for the journey. Oh, joy comes in the morning. I left my mind close to a story. Hey, I got so many secrets that I pray don't come out. Paranoid cause I've seen things go bad when my family turn to demons around me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.